Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, October 19, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We're going to do the normal stuff. We're going to do the analysis of the market. We're going to be the umpire. We're going to look at both sides. In addition to that, We're going to have some fun with two specific things. One is a crazy idea. We're going to throw in some conspiracy theory, some tinfoil hat stuff, all that, as they say in the trading parlance, rigmarole. And then we're going to have a brief discussion about how Washington, while making things better, actually makes things worse. And we're going to pick on them on a specific topic that's in the media currently. It's, shall we say, top of mind. We'll get to that later. First, let's do the assessment of the daily chart. Fair enough. We have a pullback day into the 20-period moving average on the daily chart. Now, it's not a major moving average of sorts. Why? Because the market's already been there. It's been back and forth through it. Moving averages are much more important when they run up to them from afar away. For example, when you look above, and you see the convergence of the 100 and the 50 period moving average right around 390, give or take, that's different if she were to run up there in a hurry formation. That, in addition to some other stuff, create that full stack type situation where the market's likely to run into some quote-unquote overhead resistance. Now, the market took care of some unfinished business today. While doing so, Traders from inside the numbers were able to pick up a price that was mentioned a long time ago, meaning a lot earlier today. They spiked it, they reversed, and they produced a nice trade. We'll also get to that later. We're in options expiration week where weird stuff does, it can, and it will happen. So let's just assess the charts for what they are. So far, they put in a reversal candle off the lows. They tried to have some follow-through. Now they've come back to fill a gap, retest the 20-period moving average. Happens to be there by happenstance. We are more concerned with the gap. By staying above the cap, it keeps the market in a somewhat bullish position. Trading below the gap, let's just call it 366.80 for argument's sake, Trading below that number, certainly on hourly closes and then a daily close, opens the door for what? You got it. It opens the door for the shenanigans tail candle. What's the shenanigans tail candle? One more time for those newcomers. Here it is on this day on the 17th, which was this past Monday, the market had what's called, or at least I call it, a shenanigans tail candle. The market never traded down there during the trading day, yet the candle or the low, the tail, appears on the chart. So what we do is use that as a guideline. So for example, if the market starts trading below the number we just discussed, 366.80, it's going to open the door for lower stuff. Not necessarily that tail low right away, but your antenna will be up. Might not do it all in one day, But those do usually get satisfied from a chart perspective, from an unfinished business perspective. You don't know when, you don't know how, you just know that they normally do. 
What if they stay above 366.80? Well, then at present, what we have is we have a temporary high. We have a pullback for a couple of days. We have the potential for an ensuing move higher. What that would do is create one of these. A, pullback of B. Now, the pullback doesn't have to be over yet. It's just a pullback so far. I'm saying if they start up, then your antenna goes up for the completion of the C leg, which is above the high of the A leg. I think this is an interesting one to look at, the 120-minute chart. So you have a reversal candle from yesterday. Remember, we had the gap in crap, which created the first 120-minute candle of the day of a gap in crap formation. So here's the situation. This is a guideline that you can use from an intraday perspective. If they start trading higher on this 120-minute chart and they start getting above that 100-period moving average, they're going to start working their way up, climbing the big breakdown candle. Now, the high is 375.45. We don't know they will or they won't or they can't get there. We'll cover that tomorrow from an intraday and inside the numbers perspective. What I'm doing here is giving you the what if. What if you wake up tomorrow and they're trading higher? It's green on the screen. Well, that's one of the things we're going to be looking at. Bear case. Well, let's say they're trading lower. Below today's low, you have 364, which is the window or what I call the gateway into this no man's land There's no man's land all the way down to the gap down here. Call it 358, 357 in that ballpark. Exactly what is that shenanigans tail low? 357.28. Closing price, 357.66. Low of candle, 356.96. That would be the market heading to fill the gap. It makes total sense. Let's go over inside the numbers. I'll point out a couple of important things. You can pause the video and then review the charts. Go back and double check the work. We're going to then circle back to talk about the conspiracy theory stuff. A little interesting tidbit I found this morning. First of all, it was hump day. But on this day in 1985, exactly 37 years ago, Blockbuster Video opened its first store. Last night, Netflix reported their earnings numbers and the stock popped up around $37 from the closing price. I think it was actually up 38, but I couldn't resist using 37, so I threw in the around. And that gets one of those funny how things work. 35 years ago today was also known as Black Monday, where the Dow fell over 500 points, representing over 22% fall in one day. Stay with me, there's a method to the madness, I promise you. Let's talk numbers. Yesterday afternoon high was around 372. That was important, therefore, it will be important again. They couldn't bust through. If they're up there again, it's something to watch. Are they going to bust through this time? If they do, we got the numbers. If they don't, we've got the numbers. Now, the other side of the coin is getting below yesterday's closing price, 371.14, opens the door for 369.50 and lower. The lower represents the unfinished business down around 367 and likely a spike of it. Fair enough. We think better in pictures. This time it's a 15-minute chart. Right at the vertical is today's activity. And you can see the line running across the screen horizontally is 367. 
likely a spike of it. They did the spike of it, and they turned around and went back in the other direction. But wait, there's more. Let's move along, see what happens as the day begins to get underway. Here's where we are around 9 o'clock. They'll likely whip around today. They did that. Remember, it's options expiration week and weird stuff happens. It looks like this. 369.40 is the new short-term pivot. Back to the five-minute version, 369.40 is now the higher horizontal line. That is the pivot above, and the bulls can try and recapture yesterday's closing price, a.k.a. the flat line. Back to the pictures, now the higher line is exactly that. That was the recapture or the attempt to recapture. It was running a test of yesterday's closing price. That is normal garden variety activity. It's called reading the tape. Below the pivot and the door is open for 366.82. So the pivot is 369.40. If they can't stay above and get below the pivot, forget about running up to test yesterday's closing price. If they can't stay above the pivot, 369.40, all the way down here is where they're headed. Now, a trader can interpret that any way they want. They can interpret it as, hey, I'm going to wait until they complete the unfinished business and I'm going to take a counter trend trade. That's one strategy. Another trader would say, hey, as long as they're closing candles below 369.40, I'm going to stay short the market until they reach the unfinished business. Then I'm going to take off the trade. And that is a juicy big time trade. It's not the easiest trade on the board, but it is a trade. As long as they were below 369.40, that was the thing. 369.40 is the middle line. They got it in the afternoon session. They made it look like they were going to get it in the morning. This is the shakeout operation of the traders that were short waiting for the unfinished business. Then they get whipped around. That's why you don't know how it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. You just know as long as they're below 369.40, that is on the table. Remember, this is the early stuff before the opening bell rings. Let's move along. See what else we have as the day gets underway. More of the same in the pre-market. 369.40 is our pivot. They did provide a scalp trade for about five points at 369.40 for a trader that wanted to short that number on the way back up. Then once above, you know the target is going to be above 371, yesterday's closing price. They have to stay above in order to have another leg higher. They start trading below, that's going to activate the bear case. 950, unless they're back above 369.40, the downside numbers are in play. And so on. Pause the video, read the notes, go back to the chart to double check the work. This is where they tried to rally in the mid-morning session. They came close to 372. I think they came up about 15 cents short or so, and then they fell away. Well, that is actually a negative sign for the bulls when they can't get to one of the numbers, and they come really close. These numbers are real, so when they can't hit them, it's some kind of warning sign or some kind of signal that they're either going to trade through later or they're so weak that they're going to trade away. And then once they get back below the 369.40, that activates or reactivates the bear case. More of the same as the morning is going on. Pause the video, read the notes. Then we're talking about testing the pivot and bouncing away testing the pivot and bouncing away. There are traders that trade the pivot. They trade around the pivot. Around noontime, not much to say other than they're hanging around the pivot. Now they start to melt away, so I come back just before that lunchtime period is over, at least for me, 
as prescribed below the pivot and the downside is an active thing. 366.82 is unfinished business. 366.40 is an area worth a scalp trade for a bounce back in the other direction. They have to come straight in like in a hurry formation. The risk is going down to 365.20, give or take, yada, yada. And there it is. Back in pictures, 366.40 is the only horizontal line on the screen. That was the entry. They spiked it. They didn't get down to the secondary number or the 365.20 number. They turned around. They went back in the other direction. Plenty of traders got in on that deal. We're moving along. Read the notes. Go back to the chart to double-check the work. There's a little hand-holding in here while in the trade, and then I give you the schematic for the rest of the day. As long as they stay above 366.40, they can try and rally, and they did. And there were exits in here for the scalp trade purposes, 376.16 against 376 and a quarter. Then they went up and they finally did the 376 and a quarter, but that was the exit for the scalp trade portion. And from a scalp trade perspective, especially after lunch in the early afternoon, that's a pretty good deal. In ES points, that's an eight-point scalp with a trailer with higher prices. How you doing? Let's circle back to Stocks on the Move. We're going to take a look at Abbott, W-L-P-I-G-N-R-C, and M-T-B. First one up, Abbott. I told you the bonanza was coming. This is like day one of the bonanza. Wait till you see what happens for the rest of this week and into next week and beyond. Abbott gave a little bit of a trade at the first price. It came down to the second, went back and forth. You see what happened. They went back in between. So this was really a nothing deal. Some traders might have got a scalp out of the first level. Some traders might have got a scalp out of the second level. If you bought them both, you got out at a break even. So it was a nothing deal. No harm, no foul. We move on. Wayfair, similar situation. They rallied back to the break even line. No harm, no foul, no big deal. How about Laredo Petro getting a haircut at the opening bell? We nailed the low of day for the most part. 57.65 was the number. The low of day, 57.63. How you doing? The rest is history. It was an all-you-can-eat situation. MTB, MNT Bank. The first level is off the table. They opened below it. The second level was actually off the table because they hovered and they had a nice multi-dollar spike away from it after coming close. Therefore, second level's off the table. Third level, you see what happened. Jordan got this one in the room. A lot of traders in the room got this one. A lot of traders across the board got this one. And what I was happy to see is a lot of traders understood after this bounce, in the first 10 minutes of the day, after they came close, they know to take that price off the board. Nice job. That's what you call learning something. Then look what happened at the third price. 166.08, and you have a rip away from it. Rip is a technical trading term. How about Generac? First price, nice bounce. They came back for a retest. They gave you a nice bounce. After this and the rest of the trade, this is not a trade any longer. They gave you a bounce off the second price, or I don't even know if they hit it down here. The low is 114.65 against 51. So they didn't even hit it the second time, and then nobody's taking this trade down here. It was a morning trade. It was a nice bounce off the first price. So essentially, this is what it looked like. Also, traders in the live room got this one. Jordan got this one. Inside the number members got this one. Many people across the board were participants. Anything new over in Camp IWM? Well, there is one thing new, and I will get to the conspiracy stuff. I just want to run through these charts first. 
down 1.5% or so against the S&P that was down about half of 1%. So that's interesting. That has to be a puzzle piece on the table. It's not the biggest deal in the world. The charts look the same. Remember, everything doesn't go down or up to the same magnitude every day, but we do take notice one day up or one day down with relative strength or relative weakness. We're not going to make a federal case out of it, but it is a puzzle piece. It's on the table. We put it on a sticky note. It's like a clue. Maybe it's a clue we throw away tomorrow. Maybe it's a clue we look back tomorrow and say, look, that was a clue. This is why we use that as a clue. And the folks down at the transportation department are in the same clue department. Down almost 1.7% today. Again, relative weakness. My two favorite market leading indicators. I can't unsee this. I can't ignore this. These are puzzle pieces. They are on sticky notes. They're on the table. The chart isn't necessarily bearish. They're doing the same thing they were doing over the last few days. They're trying to work higher by eating time off the clock. If you think about objectives, and it's not just the transports, it's anything. First objective would be to get into no man's land. So they gave it a shot. Couldn't do it on the first time, but that's not the end of the world. And by the way, that's common, normal market behavior. So what happens if they try it again? What happens if they get good news tomorrow? What happens if they use whatever's on the board as good news to pop the tape? If they get into no man's land, it's going to activate the price up here, the convergence of moving averages, the gap, all that stuff. But that's not where they are today. They today had a relative weakness day. It's a puzzle piece. Q people, nothing doing, down less than one half of 1%. We can't make a federal case out of that either. We're going to call it a pullback day in a possible B leg of an ABC. We talked about it before, same routine. XLF, same routine. Big time push off the low. They make a high pullback ABC unless they start trading below certain prices. In this case, below today's low is going to open the door for 31. It's that simple. And if they're doing 31, they can come down and do some other stuff as well. Depends on what's going on in the overall tape. What kind of velocity do we have? What about Smash Mouth? How about a little canary in the coal mine for the tech sector? Up 1% today. So now we have divergences. We have a positive SMH, which is a pretty good proxy for the tech space as a whole, making a bullish eating time off the clock kind of pattern. It's in a downtrend, so it's still a bounce and a downtrend, but still, how do you not take notice of a positive market when everything else was down. Have we looked at a positive market yet before now? And the short answer is no, we haven't. Again, that's another puzzle piece. It's another sticky note, but it's a divergence. This is how they keep you hanging. They keep you guessing. All right, let's get over to some conspiracy stuff. We'll start with the oil market. So today they came out with some shenanigans where they're going to release more oil out of the strategic energy reserves to lower the price of oil. Now, everybody understands they're trying to lower the price of oil because we have an election coming up and high prices are bad for politics. That's just the way it is. So they're essentially playing politics with oil. But here's the situation. What exactly is the Strategic Petroleum Reserve? That is a reserve for emergency purposes. We went through an oil crisis in the 70s. We have a reserve in case we cannot obtain buy oil from foreign players that sell us oil today, we need to make sure that not only can we produce our own, but we have a reserve in case we can't produce enough in the short run. So therefore, 
the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is there in case of an emergency. Trying to get prices down into an election isn't really an emergency. It doesn't qualify. I get the whole inflation story. It's all part and parcel to the same thing. They create the problem that they're now trying to resolve by taking energy from an emergency fund, if you will, what happens if and when we need that oil? Where's the oil? They say they're going to replenish the reserve. Well, let's go and replenish the reserve. Let's stop depleting the reserve. I think it's a scary situation. Again, this is part of a conspiracy-type situation. They're depleting the reserve. You turn around at some point in the future, and we're going to need the oil, and then all of a sudden, there's a panic, which will ultimately send prices a whole lot higher, creating a worse problem than we have today. So they're trying to solve a short-term problem by driving prices down to create a better situation for their election politics, and they're going to create a potential long-term crisis situation. Prices are not crisis situation until they get to a crisis price type situation. But wait, there's more. That was just a taste test. The other day, we started talking about important dates, cycles, important time frames. We're in that zone where we've had market crashes before in this time frame. And I want to reiterate and I want to emphasize something. I don't know whether we will or we won't, but I do know a couple of things. I know that in a bear market, they happen. And when I mean they happen, you could have a one or two day wonder, a lot of points to the downside. It happens in a weak market. So we are in a weak market. So the slightest thing can set a spark. The bids disappear. There's no buyers out there. Next scene shows the market's down five, seven, nine percent in a flash. So all I'm saying is we're in one of those time zones where if it is going to happen, now's the time where you have to be on guard because it can happen. That's all I want to mention on that note. Now, here's the conspiracy stuff with some tinfoil hat thrown in. The dates are the dates, so they culminate right around this weekend. So maybe a little before, maybe a little after, but somewhere around this weekend is a really important time frame. Okay, fair enough. What else is important? How about into next week? where we have an eclipse on the 25th. Now, that is considered a tinfoil hat event. It's not visible this time. I don't think it is from the United States. However, keep in mind, one of those crashes in the past was as a result of the Asian contagion. So it doesn't matter where this thing is and isn't visible from. Somewhere along the line, somewhere around the world can spark something important that has a quote-unquote contagion. So think about this for a second. Markets trade up into and down into these tinfoil hat events. Not every time, but it can happen. So we have the awareness. Okay, fair enough. Go back and research on your own prior eclipses, not the last one or two, but like the last 10 or 12 and see what you find. See if you find any important turns. Go back in the past into longer term charts Look at the important turns and see if there were round eclipses. You got to do the homework in both directions. So what happens if they're trading down into the eclipse? We could expect or we could maybe expect some kind of bottoming effect, market turn, some kind of shift going on. That is possible. Are we trading down into the eclipse now? Well, not so much. 
If you take the bottom that was made on the 13th, the market already bottomed, and we're kind of just going back and forth. So here's where the conspiracy comes in. All of a sudden, you have something happen. The market has a couple of day real heavy selling pressure right into the eclipse. Have a bottom form where? How about at least, at a bare minimum, completing the head and shoulders target that was created and not satisfied. It is unfinished business. It is down in the 340 neighborhood. I'm not saying that's where they have to stop. I'm not saying that's where they have to get to. I'm saying these are the things that I'm thinking about. This is the stuff that wakes me up in the middle of the night when these kind of things run through my mind. In my mind, in my head is a very, very, I emphasize, dangerous place to be. Just thought I'd give you something in addition to chew on. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not even possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.